This is a Federal News Network podcast. Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas has outlined new cybersecurity priorities. DHS is rolling out a series of what it calls 60-day cybersecurity sprints. And it's calling on Congress to give DHS's cyber branch more money to deal with a growing range of threats. Federal News Network's Jory Heckman has the latest. Jory, what is a cybersecurity sprint and what are they going to be aimed at or running towards? These are really the best way to think about these are short term focused efforts to address some of the most urgent concerns right now. And to give you a sense of where DHS is focused right now, they're looking at things like ransomware, improving the cyber workforce, improving the resilience of industrial control systems, focusing on transportation security, election security and building international partnerships. All of this is going to be leading up to a cyber executive order that the Biden administration has been kicking around for a while now. Still not ready, but DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas said that the administration is working on a dozen efforts leading up to that, focused on things like threat detection, information sharing, improving federal procurement, and speeding up agencies' response to cyber incidents. And how does Mayorkas plan to improve the cybersecurity workforce in 60 days? He's looking at this from a number of angles. This is a sprint that is actually getting off the ground this month. He's looking at this in the long term. He actually gave this recent speech to preview a partnership with the Girl Scouts of America to build cyber education in the K through 12 education system in a more immediate term goal. DHS is also looking to roll out and publish its diversity, equity, and inclusion data and focusing on an internal strategy to attract and retain a diverse pool of cyber talent. Mayorka said that this is just a preview of some of the things that DHS is working on to retain cyber employees. DHS must lead by example. We must have our own house in order before we can expect others to heed our advice. We must model what effective partnerships look like. We must ensure our own workforce is reflective of the communities we serve. And that is DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. You know, something else we've been tracking here, Tom, is that DHS is standing up a cybersecurity talent management system, and they are looking to award a contract to a vendor who will help stand up a cybersecurity compensation system as part of that. And so what we saw in a request for proposals just a few weeks ago is that DHS is asking vendors and the industry writ large to think about some long-held theories about how the federal government recruits and retains cybersecurity talent. These are problems that are longstanding for DHS. And to give you a sense of that, we heard from former DHS Secretary Jay Johnson. He recently told members of the House Appropriations Committee that this has been a longstanding challenge, getting people not just in the door, but getting them to stay. The biggest challenge that DHS has is talent. Just on my watch, some of our best cybersecurity people were stolen away by the financial services sector who could pay them two or three times what the government pays them. And that's former DHS Secretary Jay Johnson. We're speaking with Federal News Network's Jory Heckman. And Jory, you mentioned some of the longer range goals going beyond the 60-day sprints that Mayorkas has outlined. What are some of those? Yeah, going beyond the 60-day cyber sprints, Mayorkas is focused on four medium-term cyber priorities. To give you a sense of some of those, he said that federal agencies need to build back better in the aftermath of the solar winds compromise. And what that really means is embracing zero trust architectures and making identity more of a, a cornerstone and a foundation for making these systems more resilient. He also said that he's really looking at making DHS more 
of a proactive and less of a reactive agency in terms of cyber threats. He wants to move beyond the crisis of the day and focus on things that are over the horizon, things like building up encryption that can withstand advances in quantum computing. That's not an issue for right now, but in years ahead, that's going to be an issue. And so he wants to have a plan in place before that does become an issue. And he's right about over the horizon. That's where China is. And there is an agency called the Cybersecurity Infrastructure Security Agency, CISA, part of DHS now. What does he envision for CISA coming up? Well, CISA has more responsibilities than it's ever had. And so he's pushing for a budget that matches that scope of authorities. And ah, so, now we get to it. And so he's calling on Congress to give CISA more uh, more annual funding. He thanked Congress for giving CISA $650 million in the latest pandemic spending bill, the American Rescue Plan. And he said that's ultimately a down payment to address some of these urgent challenges in cybersecurity. CISA has been the go-to internal federal response cyber agency for other federal agencies, but they're also focusing on rolling out state cyber coordinators throughout the country. And CISA is also the go-to cyber agency for industry that they have their National Risk Management Center, and that's a clearinghouse for CISA and critical infrastructure to work together to mitigate cyber concerns. And so they're all working together across all these buckets here. And it's likely that the bill... Uh... I think it's pretty sure that the bill that is now being proposed by the Biden administration has significant money for CISA and DHS in that whole area. Instead of hundreds of millions, it could be tens of billions. And what about Congress? Speaking of bills in all of this, has Congress weighed in? What do they say to Jay Johnson about some of the plans that he discussed, uh, I guess, on behalf of Mayorkas? To your point, there is some bipartisan support for those added budget resources for CISA. We heard from the chairman of the House Armed Services Committee's Emerging Threats and Capabilities Subcommittee, Jim Langevin. He's also a member of the Cyberspace Solarium Commission that ultimately gave CISA some of these new responsibilities, or at least recommended them. He liked what Mayorkas had to say. He said that he's going to work with him to make sure that CISA does get these extra budget resources. We also heard from the ranking member of the House Homeland Security Committee, John Katko. He popularized kind of a an analogy that CISA is the quarterback for federal cyber response. And so he is also saying that he's going to work with DHS and making sure that they have the funding for CISA to make sure that they can handle this growing scope of responsibilities. And I guess we can expect, as you mentioned in the beginning, a major executive order or memorandum from the White House on cybersecurity. When can we expect that, do you think? You know, we've heard about that cyber executive order on a number of occasions. It's really hard to say when that's going to come together. You know, I think a big part of it is also making sure that the White House has a national cyber director nominee in place, or they are still, at the very least, trying to figure out the interplay of that new role with CISA and some of the other agencies that we've been talking about here. Federal News Network's Jory Heckman, thanks so much. Thanks, Tom. Check out his story at federalnewsnetwork.com. We now bring you a special presentation from our friends at WEPA. Shane, thanks for joining us. Can you tell us about WEPA and your new podcast? Mike, great to see you again. The podcast series, Lessons in Leadership, what we're trying to do is, is take a deeper dive, a different angle into the conversation around leadership with great leaders at all levels of government. Uh, since the 1900s, leadership has been studied in a serious and academic way. Uh, great man theory, the leader-follower theory, the inspirational leader, 
transformational leader. All of these are backward looking um, development of styles, looking at an individual, figuring out how they did leadership, and then translating it into a form that we can use today to learn, to perhaps emulate, copy. But great leaders, they have more than one style. I think, I truly think that a great leader can adapt and transform into the role that's needed at that time. So what we're trying to do is, is talk to great leaders and go a level deeper. Tell us about your a story in your past. Tell us an inspiration that really affected your ability to lead others. And this certainly applies in the uh, federal space. The federal government, it's over two million employees. Great leaders are throughout the federal government, both at the top and the middle ranks. And what we want to do is ask them to pull inside their memory, pull inside their personal history, find those moments in time when they were changed, they were inspired, they learned something about leadership from another person, perhaps it was uh, from themselves, and they brought that to the workplace and they inspired other and became great leaders. So that's what we're trying to do with the podcast. Okay, so I, I get that you wanted to start with leadership, but what makes leadership such an important topic right now for federal workers? Great question. Leadership today is tested like never before. Um, today's, if I had to put a leadership style, if I had to put names to it, we hear about um, empathetic, we hear transparent, we hear uh, inspirational. So today we have COVID, we have a down economy, we have people, we have social uh, injustice that we're dealing with. There are many new factors. And it's drawing like never before on a leader's ability to pull from within themselves and adapt to the current change. So leadership today is almost brand new again. We're taking all kinds of different styles, attributes, learnings that leaders have. They're looking at the current situation that we're in and understanding how do I move groups of people? How do I move my employees? How do I inspire? How do I get them to the next best place? So I think leadership today, this conversation uh, is extremely relevant, perhaps more relevant than it's been in several decades. You know, we talk about an employee's personal route to growth, but what role does the management side have in this? I think in the federal government, it's, it's a little bit different than it is in the private sector. Uh, my father was a civilian federal employee. Uh, he joined the federal government in the 1960s. Uh, John Kennedy, he was inspired by ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. He had opportunities to go in the private sector. That notion of service inspired him it inspired an entire generation. I would like to think that call to service, which is unique in, in the federal space, in the government space, still exists today. Well, that about says it all, but is anything else you'd want the audience to know about you personally or WEPA as an, as an organization? Uh, I have been uh, around 
the group affinity insurance world for um, three decades. I've uh, led, this is my second uh, major organization that I've led. And I will tell you that we impart this feeling, uh, you mentioned it, Mike, about service, this notion. We serve those who serve. And uh, I will tell you that it's refreshing. It's a blessing to be there. And <clears throat> I have so much respect for civilian federal employees at every level of government. In this podcast, we're hoping to talk to leaders which are similarly inspired and can share their learnings over a lifetime. And uh, this will be useful information uh, for anybody in government service. As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit LiveXLive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.